0: Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. He stayed faithful and true, and I love that about you, Cody. So come on, give Cody a big welcome. Just having a friendly little dance there, you know, amongst friends. You guys can take your seats. Oh, I almost want you guys to play that in the background the whole time, <laughs> but I won't. I'll give you a break. You can go down. Um, I'm glad I brought my well worn Bible today because I was sitting there in the front going, I was almost just going to bring my iPad, but I've got uh, a well worn Bible here. I don't feel left out. Probably won't even open that today, sorry. But anyway, um, as, as Pastor said, my name's Cody. Um, I, I got saved in this church uh, when I was 15. Um, I would like to say that was only like five years ago, but it is, it is uh, more than half my lifetime ago. Um, I, I came into this room and I was greeted by amazing people who, uh, who not only blessed me at the time and were able to pull me out of uh, situations I was in mentally and, and physically at the time and bring me to a place where uh, God was able to break me apart in ways I never thought he could, you probably understand, uh, and rebuild me into someone who I would have not recognized as a teenager and someone uh, completely instrumental in, in that happening, uh, obviously on God's side, always doing what God wanted them to do, was uh, Pastor Ed and Garth. So can we please give these guys the biggest round of applause and, uh, and, and honour them? Um, and I know Ed has been probably offended at me many times too. Um, I have a tendency to just speak out what I think, and um, sometimes it's not thought through before I, before I say it. Um, but these guys are incredible. Uh, my wife and I, we met here, and, um, and even underneath it, your guidance, our marriage was able to flourish, and our first two children were born in this, uh, being in this church, and um, we just love you guys. We love you so much, and uh, I think we'll probably put it on our calendar to come back at least once a year, even just to have dinner with you guys and hang out, but to hang out with everyone here, um, because we love the Sunshine Coast. Um, we are from South Australia now, um, but I, I did grow up here for 31 years of my life, um, so driving around with the, with a number plate that's different to the rest of you. Uh, this week, I, I got a few odd looks, and I'm thinking, "Oh, I'm probably more local than you are, but that's all right. I'll, I'll forgive that." Uh, the town we come from uh, is a little town in South Australia, and so before we before we move any further into my message, I just uh, I thought I might educate you on uh, on what Australia looks like, uh, where South Australia is, because I knew where it was, but I knew nothing about it before we moved down there. So there should be an image that comes on the screen of Queen of Australia, right? Not just Queensland. There's Queensland up in the top, but then there's South Australia, which is which is down in the middle. And, and a little known fact is. Uh, most cities, there's more cities in the rest of Australia that are closer to Adelaide than there are to any other capital city, because it's right there in the middle. Anyway, there's South Australia right down the bottom, 2,000 Ks away. Uh, if we can go to the next picture, it'll zoom in on a little known place. It's actually an Italy in Australia. Um, I like to believe it was here first, but I, I don't know. It's a bit crooked at the top there, but it's, it looks like Italy. Uh, a lot of people go, when we go, oh, we're, we're across the peninsula from Adelaide, they jump straight across to the other big one and it's, it's forgotten. Even people in Adelaide sometimes don't know that it exists. That's the York Peninsula. And if we zoom in one further, you'll see uh, it looks like it's really busy down there. There's a lot of lines and a lot of tourist attractions. Uh, most of those lines are dirt roads because they figure if we put dirt roads on there, we look bigger than we are. And, uh, and a lot of those attractions are just caravan parks for the thousands of tourists that come over almost every day from Adelaide, but we live in this small country town of a 1,000 people called Ardrossan. And for most people, you go, okay, oh, that's, that's great. Oh, I now know where you live. I don't need to know any more details. But if you've lived in a small country town, especially down there, uh, you, you walk into a shopping center and you're talking to someone for the first time, oh, whereabouts do you live? Oh, we're local. We live in Ardrossan. Yeah, whereabouts in Ardrossan? Oh, on so-and-so street. Oh, what number? Stranger danger. I'm from the Sunshine Coast. Don't you know we just say I'm from Nambour and then we just leave it there? Like... And you tell them the number, and they know your neighbors, and they know your neighbor's neighbors, and everyone knows you. And all of a sudden, uh, you, every time you go down to the, to the local Drake's um, and you go shopping, uh, you have to allow an extra hour, because you're going to get into at least three conversations that last 20 minutes. And so um, it's a very friendly town, a very clean town. Uh, my, par- my, my dad visited not long ago, and he said, if you hadn't have already bought a house up in here, Gladstone, he would have bought one down there, because he loves it. And, uh, and, and we've really uh, gotten in, and... And uh, I've been able to start a business. I, I'm now, I now paint for myself up here. I was working for other people, but down there I, I have a business and it's booked out for, for over a year. And uh, I'm getting phone calls all the time while I'm on holidays and I'm like, no, nah, I don't want to answer these. I don't want to answer emails. I'm just not taking any more work on. Um, but it's funny, your name gets out in the community and uh, in a small community like that, you can't hide. And so church on, on a Sunday, uh, if you park your car anywhere in the church or anywhere outside the church, people in town know you're there. Uh, people in town will, will drive past and know the cars. So it's a very different environment because there's no sneaking in late. There's no leaving early. If you're there, you're there. And, uh, and getting used to all the town knowing everything about everyone has been a big thing for us um, because often, I don't know if it's been with you, but in different times of my life, some of the things that God's been doing in my heart or some of the things he's been doing through the church, I kind of keep here on a Sunday or I, I, I keep to myself at home. And then you go out in public and you're with friends and it's like, oh, I'm going to be something... A little bit different. Just be a bit, bit more reserved. But people are—they're wanting you to be yourself down there. So the local, uh, the the guy at the uh, at the local petrol station, he goes, "Oh, how you going, Pastor Cody?" He's never stepped a, never stepped into a church in his life, but he calls me Pastor Cody because he knows I've preached once or twice down there. <laughs> it, it, it's it's a very odd feeling, but uh, you know, it's it, it, we love the small town. We love being there. There's a lot of differences down there. Uh, if you've lived down there, they they say words different. Uh, I still can't really say, but there's, apparently there's a difference between school and school. I can't hear the difference, but they can, and they pay me out about it. Um, you know, it, 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 you go into a bakery, and you're not going to know what to get, because they've all got these weird German names and different things, and uh, they don't have... Oh, I haven't had one yet up here, but a kebab. I just, for some reason, I just love donor meat, but down there, they've got these things called Euros, which are similar, but they're using real meat, and just not the same. It's probably healthier for you, but it's just not the same. It's not the same as, as, as a kebab, but uh, we love it down there, and uh, it's amazing. Uh, I don't know if you've ever watched a movie uh, that you've really loved, and then the sequel comes out, and the sequel's actually not as good as the first one. I'm hoping that's not me this morning, because Michaela, man, she preached a great message last week, um, a real message to her heart. Like I can guarantee like she didn't even share very deep on what was going on in her life. And, uh, and as, a, as a partner, as a husband, um, it was a scary time, and so um, she was really brave to get up here and, and share that last week and, uh, and to work through that and uh, to feel helpless as a partner when uh, someone's going through that. I, I know so many people would, would understand you've been there. Maybe you've been there yourself. Um, it's pretty hectic, but uh, if you haven't heard that message, I, I, just go online. Um, it'll, be, it'll be somewhere, won't it? It'll be on a podcast. podcast. Go and listen to it. Um, she was really real about some of the struggles she went through, and uh, we all go through struggles. Uh, in fact, I would almost say the majority of us in this room are going through some sort of struggle right now. Uh, you might not have shared it with someone. It could be something small. It could be something large. But uh, I want to acknowledge that, that at the end of the day, we're all human. If we were any more than that, then we wouldn't need God to, to save us. We wouldn't need God to, to lift us up. And so, um, you know, that, that pain and that hurt, you know, God, God wants to, to move it. He wants to use it. He wants to, to bring something good from it. Um, but sometimes it doesn't happen overnight. And I, say, and I just encourage you right now, if you're in that position, you know, just really dig in to who God is right now for you. It can be hard, but as Michael said last week, just step up. Just step out of bed even if you don't want to. You know, I, I remember a season in my life, and, and I haven't even got into my message yet, but I remember a season in my life where I was suffering a, a depression similar, and all I could do was get out of bed and say, God's in control. God's in control. I, I, I wore those verses out. I wore that out over... Several months of my life. But you know what? God is in control. And God will bring it around for good. So we'll get into my my message. and I'll read uh, from Hebrews 11. Uh, We're just going to sort of skim through this a little bit. Uh, We all know this as the the faith verse. Uh, Now faith is being sure we will get what we hope for. It is being sure of what we cannot see. God was pleased with the men who had faith who lived long ago. Verse 4. Because Abel had faith, he gave a better gift in worship to God than Cain. Verse 5. Because Enoch had faith, he was taken up from the earth without dying. Verse 7, because Noah had faith, he built a large boat for his family. Verse 8, because Abraham had faith, he obeyed God when God called him to leave his home. Verse 11, because Sarah had faith, she was able to have a child long after she was past the age to have children. I don't know if you've ever read uh, the faith chapter, Hebrews 11, and thought, wow, those guys had amazing faith. And then you look at some of the things maybe you're believing for and go, oh, it doesn't seem so big anymore. I mean, I, I've never... I, I moved halfway across the country, but my family can still see me. I still see my family. Um, I didn't have to leave everything behind. I took a lot of what I had with me um, and, and, and free to do that. Like, so leaving, like Abraham did his people to do something completely different, it seems like, wow, that's a big step of faith. A big step of faith to, you know, to walk with God so faithfully that he takes you up without dying. It's like, that's incredible. I'd love to experience that, but chances are it's probably not going to happen. We often hear about big faith. You've got Noah and the ark, an amazing thing. Abraham, who became the father of our faith. Moses and all the things that happened with the Pharaoh and the Red Sea. You've got Joshua and and Jericho, the walls where uh, he he walked the men around the walls and the walls came tumbling down. You've got Gideon, who defeated 44,000 men with only a few hundred men. You've got Samson and all his strength, all his all his character flaws, but still his strength. You have David and everything that went on there and so on, and we're not even halfway through the Old Testament. So many big things of faith. You hear faith, uh, some people say, oh, I quit my job um, because I heard God tell me to do it, and two weeks later I had 150 job offers, um, and they were paying me five times more than I ever thought I could get paid. And, And I'm not, I may say that a bit comically, but that kind of faith does happen. There's big things that happen to people. Uh, I moved halfway across the world and and God turned up and now I'm blessed with my family. You know, I prayed and I saw the miracle, but a lot of us prayed and didn't see the miracle. You know, I opened my mouth and God spoke. Sometimes we know uh, it's the opposite. We open our mouths and it's definitely not God speaking, uh, especially in my married life sometimes. Um, Like instantly, like, just just Holy Spirit, you know, work on her now because she's the one that's offended. (laughs) Um, and just stop me from doing anything more in the future. But it's funny because we, we we see all these big faith and we focus on big faith, but we tend to neglect the uh, the, the size of these small faith steps that we take every single day. We neglect that, the, that it takes a small step to get somewhere big. If you're going to start an adventure or a walk or something like that, it doesn't start by you running to the finish line. Often it's taking the first step. It's getting prepared. It's getting ready. It's... It's God doing something in your life that's so magnificent that sometimes we don't even see it. Our focus is on big faith, but we neglect to give the right attention to the small faith opportunities we regularly encounter. There's nothing wrong with big faith. And if you're in here and you're believing for healing from something the doctors have said you cannot be healed from, I'm believing with you. I'm praying with you. We'll lay hands on you. Our pastor Ed will believe with you. If you're believing for, for, for a miracle that nothing else can ever uh, no one else can ever do in your life it's impossible I'm believing with you for the big but our God's not only the God of the impossible he's also the God of the possible and so if my kids are playing up in the morning before I leave for work and I want my wife to have a good day I say God help my kids to behave now that's totally possible they'd behave on their own but who knows God will answer that prayer anyway it doesn't matter what what the prayer is God sees it the same if you're in here and, and your only prayer every day is for your children or as for yourself to deal with your children, God hears those prayers as much as he hears the prayers for cancer to be removed. And he appreciates those prayers as much as the prayers for, for someone to have their whole life changed. And for you, it might be something little. I, we read the verse in the Bible that says, you know, if you had faith the size of a, of, a, of a mustard seed, you could move mountains. And the mountain would jump into the ocean. And I used to think it was like, it was always talking about a physical mountain, but Sometimes, there's a saying that goes, don't make a mountain out of a molehill, is that it? Or an anthill or some molehill? Um, who knows, it's human nature to make a, a massive mountain out of a, a molehill. And sometimes the, the small things that have become mountains in our lives, Jesus is saying, use that small faith to cast that mountain into the ocean. Use, use what you've got. Even if your prayer is as simple as, God, help me. Move that mountain into the ocean. And so today... We're going to focus on the individual, everyday steps of faith. I'm going to look at some faith heroes, but also how this affects us. God, I just thank you for who you are. I thank you for the individual journeys of everyone in this room, Lord. Lord, I thank you that this message is is simple, God, but, but I know it's from you. Lord, help me to preach it today. Help ears to listen, Lord. Help people to receive something, even if it's something completely different. May your spirit intervene and do something amazing in this room. Amen. So I've titled this sermon, Small Faith. Okay, Small Faith. Not really, it's a bit controversial, isn't it? Small Faith. But if we look at life, I could have called this Small Faith Big Results. You look at life and everything starts off small. I said I've been on the Sunshine Coast here for, well, since I was about a year old and uh, I can tell you there was no Sunshine Plaza. I, I watched that being built as a four-year-old. There was no bridges across the river until uh, about the same time. You have to drive all the way out to Bly-Bly and go around. There was two or three buildings down the front at Alexandra Headland. There was nothing at Mooloola Bar. This is only 30 years ago. Everything starts small and grows bigger and bigger and bigger, whether we like it or not. People start small. My kids started off really nice and lovely and small, and now they're just a little bit bigger, and they're not so lovely. In fact, they were running around, were running around before the service. At our church, we've had to do communions in these little COVID-safe cups, and we do it every week down there. And my kids are... Are famous for for running in and going behind all the seats, trying to grab as many as they can, and drinking this juice that tastes really foul, and this uh, this bread that almost tastes like paper. And this morning they're running around, they're just finding these packs in the seat, and you can see my daughter going, ah, oh, ah. Oh. They're crazy. They started off small and cute. I'm, they're still cute. I love them. I wouldn't trade my kids for for anything. But everything starts small and grows bigger. Animals start small and grow bigger. Plants and trees start small. They start as a seed. This am- Tiny, minuscule seed can grow into something amazing. Churches start small. Yeah. Ask Pastor Ed, the founder of a church that's been going for as long as I'm old, so 33 years this year, would it be? Yep, yeah, 33 years ago, this church was started in uh, Maroochydore High School, and I can guarantee there were probably uh, this many people in the room, maybe? Yep, yeah, plus yourselves. Start small and grow into something big. Everything starts small. Thoughts and ideas start small and grow big. Negative thoughts, as Michaela said last week. Sometimes it's just that one little thing and all of a sudden it becomes the end of the world. The bonus to that, though, is that if we start small on the, the good things of God, they grow into big things too. Muscles start small. For some people, muscles stay small. <laughs> muscles grow through use and they disappear through disuse. I don't know if there's, a, there's like an analogy for faith there. Faith grows through use, but maybe it tends to hide away if we disuse it. Faith is is like a muscle. I'm sure you've heard this before. The more you use it, the stronger it gets. The less you use it and the longer between the times you use it, the more painful it is when you need to actually do something. I mean, we've all heard before, it's so easy to pray when you're in this season of everything falling apart. But when things start getting good, we often neglect that a bit. And then the next time things fall apart, we're like, oh, how did I ever get through the previous because we start disusing this muscle called faith. I, I don't go to the gym. I've never gone to the gym in my life. Um, I wouldn't even know what gym equipment looks like. Um, I'm lucky I'm a tradie, because otherwise I would be in that category of, of never having muscles. Um, but I've done some, some mountain climbing in my time, and I remember uh, just a few years ago, um, before we moved... Uh, we decided we'd go uh, and climb some mountains together, my wife, before we, like when we were kind of in that season of thinking what was happening and COVID actually allowed us to get outside, uh, we thought, we'll go and try and climb a mountain while the kids are back at daycare. And I'll tell you what, I was sore for days after that. I thought when I was a kid, I climbed these things at 13 years of age. I'm talking about the glasshouse House Mountains, by the way, some of the bigger ones, Tibergaga and stuff like that. I climbed that at 13 years of age. Here I was as a 30-year-old gun, oh, I don't want to climb this. I'm going to turn around and go home. Half the battle is, is showing up and getting started. Same with our faith, work, faith life. Half the battle might be actually getting to a place where you can open your mouth and pray. Half the battle might be getting to a place where you actually want to get in the car and drive to church on a Sunday. I tell you what, as soon as you start that battle, God shows up. Faith comes in. It doesn't take long for faith to, to, to come crawling back in and do something amazing in your life. And so we're going to look at some of these heroes. We hear the big faith, but I want to talk about some of the little things that they did behind the scenes. And first we're going to look at Noah. And Genesis 6, verse 9. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man and the only blameless person living on earth at the time. And he walked in close fellowship with God. He walked in close fellowship with God. He was blameless. It, it, this is long before anything happened. This is long before there was, a, there was an ark that was to be built. This is long before he believed that he had to get all the animals together. Oh, it's hard enough to round up two kids, to get all the animals to come together. It's a big faith. It's a big belief. This is before any of that. He just walked in close proximity to God. Simplest act of faith, walking with God. And for many of us, yes, it seems simple. It seems true, but walking in faith with God, what does that look like for you? Because we can focus on, well, how many people have I led to God in, the, in my lifetime? How many people have I, have I spoken to the Word this week? Or how many times have I stuffed up How many times have I said something I didn't want to do or done something I didn't want to do? Or we can say, no, I admit that to you, God, and I'm walking with you every day through everything. Not only when we feel like it, but when we need to. Verse 22, it says, Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. This one should be easy. Don't know about you, though. God says, do something. I'm like, oh, no. I don't want to do it that way. But it says exactly as God had commanded him to do. If God came to you right now and said, "Build a boat," what kind of boat would you build? Would, you build a boat, would it be a boat where animals could do whatever they wanted in? It would probably smell. Or would you? Would you build a yacht? Would you build a cruise ship? Probably not. Uh, would you build? What, what kind of boat would you build? Well, it says Noah was. Uh, he did everything exactly as God told them to do. So listen to these instructions to build a boat. Build a large boat from cypress wood. Nothing else. Don't get pine. Don't get something else that's cheaper. Waterproof it with tar inside and out. Then construct decks and stalls throughout its interior. Make the boat 450 long feet long. So don't make it 451 feet. Don't make it approximately 400 feet. 450 feet long, 75 feet wide and 45 feet high. Leave 18-inch opening below the roof uh, all the way around the boat. Put the door on the side and build three decks inside the boat. Lower, middle, and upper. It says he did exactly what God told them to do. I don't know about you, but when God says to me to do something, I, obviously, I often uh, creatively interpret it. Um, God said to give a large amount to my church or a large amount to something. Uh, mm, yeah, I'll give just enough that it feels like it stings a bit, but not really a large amount. And I give it and I wonder why my blessing's not as big as it could be. Uh, Maybe God says, walk across the room and preach the gospel of of Jesus to that person. I walk across the room and and I sit there and I talk about their week and I sit there and I go, oh yeah, you know what, it'd be great to see you in church someday, bye bye. Um, Do exactly as God commanded. It's hard. But again, God doesn't command us to do a lot. He says, love the Lord with all your heart. He says, follow me, believe that I am the Lord and I will... I will light your way. I'll guide your path. I'm cross referencing a lot of Bible verses in that one spot, but he literally says, just, just step out and do as I say and everything's going to be great for Well, not always great, but there's going to be times where he shows up and does something. Yeah. Complete obedience. But can you imagine if, if Noah said, nah, I want to build that slightly different. Imagine if Noah wasn't walking with God. There'd be no one on earth to save humanity and none of us would be here. Everyday fellowship with God and complete obedience. A two-small-step faith, uh, two small steps of faith that can lead us to amazing things. Next you've got Joseph, Genesis 39, verse 2. It says, The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Served with everything he had as though serving God. Not just serving for his benefit, to the point where he served so much that uh, that the the wife of the, the... the slave master that was head of the slaves, approached him and wanted to sleep with him, and it turns out this big drama where he gets kicked in prison. I don't know about you, but if I had served with everything I'd got and I'd been kicked in prison for it, would I get up, would I stand up again, and would I serve with everything I've got again? And I wasn't going to mention this, but because Pastor Ed did, yes, there were times when I served with everything I had in this church, and for some reason, maybe Pastor Ed had a bad day or maybe something else was happening exactly the same time and I've gone in thinking that my needs were greater than anything else and someone has said something that offended me and I've gone, why do I bother serving? Why do I walk in every day? Why do I keep serving? We've got Joseph here who serves with everything he has, gets elevated out of prison and becomes the advisor to the Pharaoh of the time because he served. Small faith step. Serving becomes a huge thing. Serving others not <clears throat> serving others not self and serving faithfully even when hurt. I said before about the muscle analogy. There's two types of, of muscle training as far as I understand. You can train for muscle mass or you can train for muscle endurance. High weight, low reps increases muscle mass. So big faith occasionally can see a big miracle or miracle occasionally. But low weight, high reps, increases muscle endurance. Small faith repetitively brings on a lifetime of blessings and miracles. What small faith muscle are you strengthening at the moment? Maybe it's praying and continually praying. And every time you pray, you feel closer to God. And every time you feel closer to God, you you understand who God is, you understand his word more, you understand what people mean to God, and you just keep praying and praying and praying. You know, God will bless that. God will see miracles happen from your prayers. Uh, look at my, my dad's life. My dad got saved in here as well when I, when I was able to bring him to church. Uh, some of you heard this story, but my mum thought I was part of a cult when I got saved. And uh, my mum and dad weren't married. Uh, they were already divorced at the time. And so mum didn't want to come down here, but she sent my dad saying, oh, your son's part of a cult. Can you come out and check out church? And I went, this is great. I don't even have to like reach out to my dad. He's just going to come down to church. And you got to understand though, it, it sounds like, oh, part of a cult. I can understand that. But my mom's reasoning behind that. And She listens to it. She listens to it. She knows this story. I've told it to her face. Like I said, often offend people by telling them to their face. Um, Her reasoning for it was because all of a sudden I was treating my brother better. I was taking out the rubbish after meals. I was washing up the dishes. I was nicer to her. I must be part of a cult. (laughs) No idea. But my dad got saved here. And I found out afterwards that uh, that my auntie had been praying for 30 years faithfully and my dad got saved how amazing so pray and don't stop praying maybe it's worshipping maybe you have a gift on your life to worship here or or, or maybe you you don't feel like you're gifted enough to be up on stage but you're worshipping in your house keep worshipping keep extending that small faith because big things will come from it serving in your church or your community it can be in here often we focus on serving God has to happen inside the four walls of this building but serving God happens when you're at work. May, may I encourage anyone in here who is a tradie that walks into someone's house, anyone in here who runs a business from home, anyone here who cuts hair and they travel or has people travel to them. As a pastor, it was so like as, as a youth pastor here, as, as someone on staff, it was so hard to ever get an invite to someone's house to talk to them. Yet every time someone calls up for a quote, I get to walk into someone's house invited and they want me there and I'm in there bringing Jesus into their life. And I can speak into their world. You take Jesus with you, you've got such a big opportunity. Working faithfully, serving in your community. You may never serve on the platform here. You may never even get up the back in the lights and sound. You, You may never do anything here in church, but if you're serving outside faithfully for God, wherever it is, keep doing it. Work faithfully. Running a business faithfully. Run, a business the way, run your business the way you'd want someone else to run a business that you're the client for. Raising your kids the right way. Sometimes it's hard to raise your kids the right way. Sometimes when you raise your kids the right way, people look at you strangely. People look at you funnily. Like, I don't want my kids touching that thing right now. But they're like, oh no, let it touch it, let them break it, whatever. I'll just judge you forever because your kids broke my stuff. Discipline. It's a hard word, isn't it? Raise your kids faithfully. Serving in your house. Husbands, serve your wives. Don't even need to go the other way. Husbands, serve your wives. We all know the other thing. We all know the other side of the story. My wife does a lot for me. Thank you so much. (laughs) What small faith muscle are you repetitively strengthening right now? Small faith, big results. Back to the faith muscle analogy again. Sometimes it feels like the exercise you are doing has nothing to do with the muscle you're trying to grow. Think of Karate Kid. Paint the fence. Wax on, wax off. Sand the deck. I know. Drive through 100 traffic lights just to get to the Sunshine Plaza from three streets that way. Yeah, I haven't experienced that for a long time. Funny thing is that traffic lights are 100 kilometres away from where we are uh, is the closest set of traffic lights. And even those, you go through at 90 k's an hour and they only stop occasionally. Um... Sometimes the, this, the face steps we're taking now, we don't see the big picture. Maybe we, we don't see why God's got us continually fighting or battling through something now until we realize what it's for later on. Sometimes our face steps can be so strange that we almost don't even think it's God that's giving them to us. I'm not saying anything bad that's ever happened in your life has come from God, but sometimes what happens... God allows because he goes, well, if you have enough faith to overcome this, it's going to turn you into a better person. And I heard this years ago at a conference. I heard the teacher, the teacher is silent when the student is taking the test. If you're a teacher in the room and your students have been learning the whole year what to do and they're now sitting in their test, if you're a good teacher, you probably want your kids to succeed and do really well. But you've got to stay quiet as they take that test. And it can break your heart. With kids, sometimes you have to stay quiet while they take a test and it can break your heart. Sometimes God stays a little bit silent so that we can take a test that he knows is going to grow our faith, that's going to bring us closer to him, that's going to allow us to help people in a way we've never helped them before. So God does odd things. Here's a few odd things that he did for our faith heroes. In Genesis 12, Abraham's told to leave your countries, your relatives, your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. That's not even the weirdest part. It says, so, so Abraham left, or Abram, sorry, at the time, departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abraham, Abram was 75 years old. He moved out of home at the age of 75. That's a bit strange. God does some strange things, requests some strange things. It's a bit old to be leaving home. Most of us at that stage, we're finished up with work. We're looking at like, you know, bunkering down. Maybe if we're going to leave home, it's in a a nice fancy caravan to travel uh, where we don't have to look after our family or our kids. There's so many things that we do at that age, but it's not leaving home to go to a new place to establish a whole new family and a whole new way of life. But what if he didn't? Ask yourself that. If you've read any of the story after that, what if Abraham had said, no, I don't want to leave home? What would our faith look like today? The whole lineage of Jesus would change. Strange faith step. Another one for Abraham, Genesis 17. It says, when Abram was 99 years old. That's a very old person now. The Lord appeared to him. I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. Um, 24 years ago, I served you faithfully by moving to a different country when I was 75 years of age. And now you're telling me to serve faithfully? Okay, God, I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What more am I, what, What's more, I am changing your name. It will no longer be Abram, but Abraham. 99 years of age, he gets a different name. Not only does he get a, a different name, it's actually a lengthened name. And, and I don't know about you, but not many people lengthen people's names when they're coming up with a nickname, right? Like If it's John, it might become Jono, but usually it was Jonathan beforehand. Jonathan becomes John. Matthew becomes Matt. Here we've got Abram becomes Abraham. Let's add an extra syllable to your name at the age of 99. He's a bit of a late boomer, and it's quite odd for an identity change. See, it wasn't just his name change. It was like, I'm going to make you a father of multitudes, a father of nations. I'm going to put you so into the faith line that your name is going to be preached everywhere on earth for thousands and thousands of years. And you're 99 years of age, and I'm saying change your identity. It's strange. Here's another one. and A disclaimer to this one, because uh, make yourself pretty comfortable, because some people might get uncomfortable for this one. Um, and look, it has to be said. It so said, Abraham wins this battle, uh, and he gets his nephew, the belongings, everything back uh, from the enemy, and on his way to turn over the retrieved goods. So he doesn't even keep the goods for himself. He returns them to the kings that they were stolen from. He meets Melchizedek, a priest, on the road, and then he gives him a tenth of everything he has, which is now the tithe. It's pretty quiet in here. I find that one of the biggest struggles in my Christian life from the beginning, even until now, not so much anymore, is the tithe, is giving, is being generous. Because it doesn't make sense. A tenth, 10% of everything I have goes to the Lord. And somehow, I'm blessed more abundantly than I ever have been in my life. It doesn't make sense. But Abram gives 10% of everything. And so everyone has an opinion on this. And I know some people, you'll argue with me to the end of the day, and I'm I'm not here to convince you to tithe. I'm not here to convince you to change your message. I'm just pointing out what the Bible says. And so we have to realize here, I hear this all the time. I go, oh, this church is only focused with money. Or that pastor's only focused with money. Or that Christian's only focused with money. Um, It doesn't say that the word of the pastor came to Malachi and he said, give a tenth. It says God commanded a tenth. And and there's a lot of people interested in our money, right? I don't know about you. Um, I pay my taxes. I'm a good boy. Um, But I don't really like it sometimes. Um, I pay my tolls when I go through toll booths. I pay... Um, the increasing prices on food. I pay the increasing prices on living. I pay all these things and I don't like it. And those people that are interested in my money, I don't even know them. But it says here that God is intimately interested in my money. I think I want to trust God with my money more than I want to trust people with my money. And so it's probably one of the best, hardest, strangest, repetitive faith exercises we can ever do to stretch our faith. Being generous... Or tithing, when you feel you have nothing to spare, is a crazy concept. And as I said, it's God that's interested in your money. It's not the church. It's not Pastor Ed. It's God. God is interested in where you place your faith, where you place your, your soul thing. Like in, in this life, we don't work for many things except for money, because money then buys other things. Where do you place the faith of the things you earn from your hard work and toil. Sorry, that was a tough one. You can stop sweating now because let's move on a little bit. We go to Exodus 3 and you've got uh, a Moses and this one's a very strange one. I've only got a few minutes um, to finish this up and we'll pray in just a moment and the band will be back up and they can actually come up now if the band wants to. Well, I want you to, so. <laughs> it's not whether you really want to. it's No, no. You've got this, this story where Moses, he's fled from his people. He's been in, the, uh, been in the countryside. He's been outside our dross in our town for 40 years, living off uh, very little uh, in the countryside. And, um, and it says that one day he's out there the, and he sees a burning bush. And uh, for one thing, if I see a bush burning, I, I don't tend to walk towards it. I'm going to be on my mobile phone probably calling the fire brigade to come in and put out the fire. But he notices that the bush is not burning up and he's walking towards it. And the first thing that God says to him is, take off your shoes. And I've read this a hundred times, but I didn't really see it until down where we are, it gets cold enough to light fires in your backyard in in winter and you're allowed to legally do it. And I I didn't see the the strangeness of this until I realized every time my kids even walk near the fire, I want them to put their shoes on. I want them to, to be careful. I want them to... But he says, take off your shoes for you're on holy ground. It doesn't really make sense. But can you imagine if Moses had said, no, I'm going to keep my shoes on, thanks, mate. No, I'm going to, I'm going to be careful about this fire. I'm going to keep my distance. I'm going to stand away from the thing that, uh, that looks dangerous, that might look imposing. But instead, he walks towards us. And I wonder if there's an example in your life where your faith, by doing something, it might seem like you're walking towards danger. But God says, come forward, take your shoes off, take the weight off, walk towards me, learn who I am. It could be something very strange. He could be saying to stay when everything inside you and everyone around you is telling you to leave. That can apply to any area of your life. It might be a marriage, a family, a church, a job. It could be the opposite. It could be God trying to tell you to leave when everything seems way too good and you want to stay. Maybe it's an identity change, even at the age of 99. Maybe it's taking a step in a direction that doesn't make sense. God, I thought you were taking me here. God, I thought you had me planted in City Church, because this is where I got saved and I was here for 15 years. And all of a sudden, all these opportunities uh, that I had here, they start closing, not from something I've done, not from something Ed did, not from something anyone here did, but God had another plan for me and my wife. And it's sad because I I don't hate the Sunshine Coast. It might be a bit of a shock to the system to come back here, but I loved it here. But God starts closing things off and I'm thinking, there's a tax from the enemy. You know, my family moved away, uh, COVID hit, and uh, my job security sort of fell away. I don't know if anyone else was in the same position. Uh, Due to kids and due to other circumstances, I stepped out of my role as youth pastor. We stepped out of our role on the staff here. and, uh, And we came to a point where some weekends we were just sitting in the back, just attending church. I thought, God, what have you done? Where have you gone? I blamed my family. I blamed myself. Why, God, am I not serving right now? What have you done? But God did something to move me and my family. It didn't make sense. It was my direction looked like it was going this way. And God said, no, you do this way and do a U-turn and go back about 100 miles that way and turn and then move 2,000 Ks across the country to a place I never even understood beforehand. Maybe it's to be generous or, or tithe or even just even look into tithing even though you feel you don't have much. Maybe the strange step is loving someone when you feel they don't deserve that love. But who knows, Jesus gave his love for all of us. You fill in the blanks. What is it, the small faith thing that you need to do right now that's going to lead to the big things? It's going to change your life in a direction that you'd never known. And, and this is the last, I'll, I'll share two more things before we pray. I was, I was uh, 18 almost 19 when I went on my first uh, first overseas missions trip. And we went to uh, Cambodia, I believe. And our youth pastor at the time, Michael, some of you may have known him. But uh, at the end of the trip, he got us all sitting in the airport while we were waiting for our flight, which was delayed for forever. And uh, he started reading out these things he'd, he'd written for us the whole trip. And, and people were getting all these different blessings. Like It was prophetic in a lot of words to people, very straightforward. And, and it got to mine and he, said, and he, uh, he read mine out and, he, and it literally was only like two sentences. And it said, Cody, be faithful in the small things and God will give you the big. Be faithful in the small. And I, I actually felt hard done by Because there's these people that are getting these blessings like, oh, you're going to be amazing and preach to the nations. You're going to do this, you're going to do that. And I get this, be, be faithful in the small things. Cool. Don't you know, Michael, that I set up the chairs every single Friday night for for you? Don't you know that I'm the first one there at the prayer meeting every Sunday? Don't you know? Don't you know? But faithful in the small things, it's often not what people see. It's what God sees. And I needed that reminder because everything I was doing at that stage wasn't for God, but it was for people to see. And God so humbly said to me on that plane flight, which was about eight hours, and all that time we were sitting there uncomfortably, he said, Cody, it's not about you. Serve in the small things and you will get the big things. And I tell you what, it changed my life dramatically. I never wanted to to preach. I never wanted to do a lot of these things. And God changed my life and did amazing things. Those weird, strange, small things that lead to a great faith. And you're sitting there thinking, oh, that's the Old Testament. Well, I just want to tell you one strange thing that Jesus did. In Matthew 21, Jesus asked his disciples to effectively hotwire a donkey and bring it back to him. And the only thing he told them to do was if the owner asked, say the Lord needs it. That's not a strange request for the disciples to fulfill, and I don't know what it was. They did, and uh, we all know the picture. He rode into the town on the donkey. What if he didn't? It wouldn't have fulfilled Scripture. Strange, small steps of faith. God, I thank you so much that you're a God who sees our willingness, who's willing to bless us even when we're not willing, who's willing to meet us in... Wherever we are, whatever situation, God, I I so much thank you for who you are and what you've done in my life and what you do in the lives of individuals, Lord. We believe faith the size of a mustard seed to throw those mountains into the ocean, God. I thank you. If you're in this room and you're struggling right now to have faith in any area of your life, I don't need to see a show of hands because I know this is real for most of us. But I want to pray with you. And so this prayer is, is for you. And, uh, and I just want you to believe this in your heart right now. Lord God, may you take our small faith. Would you take our unfaithfulness, actually? Would you take the things in our lives where we struggle to be faithful? And would you bless them, Lord? Would you be there to, as the encourager that we know you are to encourage us through this season right now, Lord? May our repetitiveness, may our misunderstandings, may the things we don't understand, may may they be used now to be fruitful in the future, God. Lord, we put our faith in your hands. Lord, we continue to pray. We continue to worship. We continue to stand by the things we believe, knowing, God, that you will bless it, that you will continue to bless us, Lord. I thank you for the parent who's struggling right now. Lord, may your hand be upon them right now, that their child, whatever it is that they are struggling with, their child or their self or their partner, Lord, would that be blessed right now. In Jesus' name, with those small face steps be blessed right now to see massive things change in the lives of those families, Lord. For the, for the person who's running a business right now or, or working for a small business, Lord, may, that, may, the, may the, the prayers be heard like never before, Lord. Would you bless them in ways? Would you remind them of the steps they can take to be faithful, God? Lord, for, for the person who's sitting in retirement and goes, well, have I done the best of my life? Have I gone as far as I can? Lord, remind them of who Abraham was and what he did. Lord, remind them that that, it, that it's old people that, that that see change happen in the young lives, Lord. That my, my kids are so excited to hear from grandma and grandpa and they've learned so much in this trip, Lord. Let them never, ever, ever grow weary of doing small face steps, Lord. Change our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. It's been a blessing this morning. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at infocity-church.net. At